Future Pulse, Patients First, investigating innovative cardiovascular research with a patient-oriented clinical outcome focus. I'm Dr. Thomas Nero, clinical and interventional cardiologist and director of cardiovascular research at CAFC. Welcome to Future Pulse, Patients First podcast. I'm Dr. Thomas Nero, and we're going to be starting a series of podcasts that are going to be more patient-oriented than our Future Pulse research podcasts. And I wanted to do sort of a preamble of sorts to go over some of the topics that we're going to be talking about, but more to discuss how we're going to look at those topics and how we're going to review the information that we're going to be discussing and why some things are going to be important to us and other things are going to be somewhat less so. I'm a clinical and interventional cardiologist. I've been in practice for about 20 years in New York City and now in Stanford, Connecticut. I also run our clinical trials research group, which is mainly focused on pharmaceutical trials, but also interventional trials and some uh, device trials as well. In addition to my high-risk patient practice, I also have a uh, sports cardiology practice as well as a preventive medicine practice. One of the more important pieces is that I always try to put patients first, and that's one of the reasons why we identified the podcast with that name. There's a lot of information that's available on the internet. Unfortunately, not all of it is good, and it is certainly going to be difficult to try to judge that information and how that information affects you. One of the key concepts that we talk about in medicine now is something called evidence-based medicine, and this is probably the prime way of looking at clinical information over my training and certainly in my career. As a bit of a sidebar, this all started back in the 1980s and early 1990s. In the 1980s, we were treating a lot of patients with heart attacks, and we still had pretty poor outcomes at that time. Things have certainly improved since then. During the 1980s, we noticed that patients who often died had a lot of premature ventricular contractions. And those premature ventricular contractions could lead to more malignant arrhythmias called ventricular tachycardia, and that would lead to death. So we would give patients medications in order to try to suppress these arrhythmias. In order to look to see at our effectiveness, we looked to see how many of these premature ventricular contractions decreased. And when we saw that they were decreased, we congratulated ourselves on our great successes. But when we did the trial, which was a five-year trial, it was called the CAST trial, the Cardiac Arrhythmia Suppression Trial. This five-year trial looked at the medications that we were trying. The main two were drugs called flecainide and econide, but we also compared them to placebo. And in 1991, in the New England Journal, they released the results, which demonstrated that instead of decreasing cardiac event rates, we were increasing our event rates by threefold. And since then, we really have tried to look at outcomes that make a difference to us. So when we talk about medication trials, we look to see does it decrease heart attack risk? Does it decrease strokes? Does it decrease heart failure admissions? Rather than does it just decrease homocysteine levels, which although it might be important, isn't really the important outcome that we're concerned about. We're also going to talk a lot about the kinds of information that we're going to be looking at in these trials. Placebo-controlled trials are probably the best kind of trials because neither the patient nor the researcher knows who's getting the drug and cannot then bias the outcomes that way. But unfortunately, placebo-controlled trials aren't available for a lot of different kinds of our therapies. For example, dietary recommendations, you cannot do a placebo-controlled trial. So we will discuss the different kinds of trials, 
what it means to you and how to interpret those results. I hate to do this, but we're going to talk just a little bit about statistics. And please bear with me because I think this is a little bit important and will be important to understand as we go forward. When we talk about outcomes trials, for example, we will talk about risk reduction. And as researchers, we love to talk about relative risk reduction because that sounds so much more important when we say that a drug or a therapy decreases event rates by 50%. But in reality, that's not the important piece because if a drug decreases event rates from 10% to 5%, that's huge. If a drug decreases an event rate by 0.1% down from 0.2%, well, you have to take care of a thousand patients in order to get one event. So probably less impressive, but both have a relative 50% reduction in events. We try to use absolute risk reduction to be able to see those differences. And we'll try to talk about absolute risk reduction when we can. We'll also look at something called number needed to treat. Number needed to treat is directly associated with absolute risk reduction. That will tell us from the 100 people in this trial that if there was a 2% benefit, then it took 50 people being treated in order to prevent one event. The part of the problem with this kind of analysis is that you don't know which of the 50 patients improved. So you have to treat all of them. But in general, that's a good way of being able to assess the effectiveness of one drug versus another and how important that intervention may be to you. I am going to try as much as I can to avoid jargon. Unfortunately, I am a doctor. I do slip into pro mode every now and then. So I will apologize ahead of time if I do so. Also, We do have the main series of podcasts on Future Pulse, which are oriented to clinical researchers and those in the business of medical research. And I would really highly advise you to dive into those podcasts if you're so interested. Our first podcast on the Patient First podcasts is going to be on lipids, lipid subfractionations, and looking at these results. After this, we're probably going to be going into some more interesting things on genomics. But for right now, please bear with us. I would love to hear your feedback on topics that would interest you, and I'll see if I can add them in. Again, thank you for joining us. I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Have a great day.